Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. The show is heard on WBCQ The Planet. Every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it's repeated on Thursday nights at 7.30 p.m. as well, Eastern Standard Time, broadcast out of the beautiful, beautiful Monticello, Maine in Arista County. And I'll be up there uh, later this week to give uh, some presentations on the deep state. But um, <clears throat> before I do that, I'm going to be talking about a number of things today in our 30-minute uh, show. Uh, I want to point out that this show was brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week-long family camp. Uh, the next year's camp is going to be held at the same venue it was this year at the beautiful Lakeside Christian Camp and Conference Center in Pittsfield, July 28th to August 3rd. And as we confirm instructors, guest instructors will let you, you know, give the information out. Uh, you can also hear this show. On our YouTube channel, we uh, generally, within a short time, uh, we upload this video. Well, we convert this in MP3 into video <clears throat> and make it available. Also on Podomatic.com, uh, we have a uh, radio, our radio show was posted there, and we have other shows on that. So I do recommend, if you're listening, please visit our radio show, uh, Camp Constitution, on uh, Podomatic and follow it. And you, everything there is free. You can download uh, most of the shows we've done in the last three to four years, as well as some others. Lord Moncton was on a radio show in Connecticut last, well, been two weekends ago, and did an incredible job. It was an hour long, uh, refuting global warming, climate change, and so et cetera. And uh, you can download that and put it out there and make it available. That's what we try to do. We're an educational entity, education and action. We try to give folks good information that they can use, that they can take it to their, um, you know, their people in their circles. So uh, that's really, uh, as the Bible said, my uh, Isaiah, I think uh, my people go into captivity for lack of knowledge. And of course, lack of knowledge as well as moral character. Uh, I'm sure you could add that. If if it was written today, that you would add that, I think, because that really is the major problem. Anyway, um, I discussed last week the flag, our flag lawsuit. Still no decision as of yet whether or not we'll be able to uh, raise that flag in the near future. We're hoping for an injunction. Uh, a lot of, a lot more, a lot, many other news outlets covered the story. The um, it's it was been unfolding since last fall uh, in September when Liberty Council took the case, and there were lots of media outlets uh, covering the story. The lawsuit was officially filed this past July, early July. That generates some interest. And then um, the actual court date we had uh, just a few weeks ago, August 9th in Federal District Court, that generates some interest. And it's interesting, just the last couple of days, uh, the Boston Globe uh, contacted me and other outlets have been covering the story. And I kind of see what outlets are covering it. And I want to thank the various news outlets. And I'll 
visit the sites when I find them. And one of them was, I think, Democrat Underground. Uh, and I tell you, some of the most vilest people. I mean, it's amazing the depravity of these folks, the filthy language, the hatred that they harbor. It's just incredible. And I, I suppose that's the culture we deal with. I mean, they, these people have just contempt, utter hatred of Christianity. Uh, and it's really hard to believe. It's hard. To, I shouldn't say hard to believe, but that's uh, they're, just, they're showing their true colors when they talk to themselves. When they're out there in public, sometimes they put on a, a nice face. But when they're talking to themselves, which they do all the time, by the way, in effect, that's why I think that they're on the defensive because they believe since they only talk to themselves, they think that whatever what uh, any other opinion is to be totally ridiculed and mocked. And they don't even know there's other opinions and worldviews out there to the extent that they do. And, and interesting, there was a uh, – I live in the West Roxbury section of Boston, and I will occasionally write a letter to the local weekly newspaper, the uh, Bulletin. I don't know what the circulation is, ten to 15, maybe 20,000 hard copies. And there's a particular obnoxious leftist um, that will always uh, – not always, but often enough will – refute my letters, which I don't have a problem, but uh, he ends up uh, mocking and ridiculing. And I had a letter on the immigration issue, and he wrote, uh, and someone wrote uh, defending me and agreeing with me, which this fellow said, I don't always agree with Hal Shirtliff, but on this one, I do. And this fellow, Alan Wright, writes in and he says, first of all, anything, Hal Shirtliff is always wrong, and he knows nothing about our history, et cetera, et cetera. And they use some uh, ugly adjectives. So I took my pen, or I should say my computer keyboard, and I wrote a letter. And I'm tired of these um, Alinsky, uh, I mentioned Saul Alinsky, Hillary Clinton uh, tactics, you know, silence your opposition, say these nasty things. This, This person doesn't even know me, has never met me unless we pass each other casually you know, not knowing who, you know, in the street or in a store. And he has all these vile things to say about me. And the purpose of this is to uh, really reduce you to second-class citizenship or third-class citizenship. They're trying to dehumanize you. It's interesting. They're the first ones to cry, you know, denounce the Nazis and their Nazi tactics. But that's what the Nazis did. When you dehumanize uh, a group of people, it's easy to persecute. And that's what's happening here. And we see that with the flag issue when we see some of these people uh, make these nasty comments. Interesting, last year, the uh, Boston University Press, uh, a reporter went out in the street in front of the school and had the camera in hand and a a mic. And they asked, uh, what's your thoughts on this flag? And almost everyone said, let them fly the flag. What's the big deal? Who cares? You know, they fly flag. What's what's it going to do? Shatter the foundations of Boston? I mean, it's ridiculous. But that's the mindset. And on the immigration issue, uh, the the left, the deep state or the deep state and the left, it's interesting how they work so well together. Uh, the Bush administration, uh, George W. Bush, uh, his father, the Clintons, uh, although Bill Clinton did talk about securing the borders, um, they actually want open borders. And that's what NAFTA was about. That's what the... Um, World uh, World Trade WTO, um, the uh, North American Union, the uh, Trans the TPP and the Pacific uh, Trans Pacific Partnerships. With this was uh, all these things were about open borders. 
So the establishment wants open borders. The Wall Street Journal, under its late editor, I think it was Bartley, wanted open borders. And so doesn't the far left. So it's interesting, too, that the far left wants open borders. They want to have all of these poor, dispossessed people coming into the United States to live under the horrible dictatorship of Donald Trump. And I, I, I bring this to people's attention. Wait a minute now. On the one hand, you're telling me that Donald Trump is an evil Nazi dictator, uh, persecuting and oppressing everybody he dislikes, which I guess is just about everybody, according to the left. Uh, on the other hand, they want them all to come in the United States. Well, if Trump was such an evil, wicked person, and he's such a horrible dictator, why in the world would you want these people coming in? In fact, you should be saying, hey, let's get out of this country. Let's go to one of the paradises, maybe maybe uh, Venezuela or uh, Sweden, or perhaps they can go to Mexico. They go back to Mexico. I mean, after all, it's a beautiful country rich in uh, resources, and it's a, it's a Hispanic culture, so it's got to be superior to this wicked, evil, hateful, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant uh, nation. So, uh, you know, go back. Go back or don't stay. Come, go, leave. Uh, because you don't want to be under this horrible regime. We don't, we don't deserve these wonderful people, these uh, super people who are better than us, uh, better than the Americans. They're so much kinder and gentler and more loving and more caring. They should stay in their countries and make that country better. Why don't you think, what about that? Of course, that's not the, that's not the dialogue here or the uh, narrative. The narrative is to destroy our country, to flood it with as many people who will not assimilate, not learn the language, not adapt the, uh, the best of our culture. They'll, they'll adapt the worst of our culture, of course, the drugs and the, the hedonism and such, but not the best of our culture. They won't learn about our constitution in our form of government and its history, they have no interest in that. They have nothing but uh, what they what can they get out of uh, the country. Now, I'm not saying that all immigrants. In fact, I'm sure if I lived in Mexico, I probably would do my best to come here too. I, I kind of get that, but we are a sovereign nation, and we can't allow everybody that wants to come in here. Uh, I think, uh, in fact, I think we already have too many people coming in. It's about a million a year legally, and this doesn't include all the green card people and all the other folks coming in from all over the world. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, anyway, that's uh, it's a, well, an interesting thing there, but they don't know how to handle this when you tell them, hey, if Trump's such an evil guy, why would you want uh, these people coming in? Now, <clears throat> the elections are coming up, the uh, midterm elections, and I think historically, and as much as I don't, I'm not a big fan of Ben Shapiro, but he sort of looked at the history. And usually the um, the party that's in the White House, that occupies the White House, tends to do, don't they don't usually do so well in midterm elections. And he looked at uh, the Clinton administration and even Obama and, you know, how the Republicans got got a lot of seats in the, in the, uh, in the House and the Senate during his, his uh, during the midterms. Um, the notion that there's going to be what they call a blue wave, that uh, the, the voters are going to totally reject uh, Trumpism and elect a bunch of Democrats, and they're going to be able to regain the House and Senate. Yeah. I think that's a lot of uh, it, it. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, That um, it's a sad thing, um, is that it seems to be that all the Democrats have is just opposition to Trump. All they're doing is they, they want to raise the taxes. 
They want to uh, open the borders up and they want to impeach Trump. That seems to be the, the three, three things that they're promoting. And it's funny that some of the, uh, you know, I wouldn't call them mainstream Democrats, but the far left wing of the Democrat Party, it's already to me, it's already pretty far left, but the openly socialist Marxist people that actually call it himself Marxist, Democrat socialist, that wing is gaining a lot of uh, influence. Um, and so be it, I guess, because at least they might have a little more to offer to say than the average uh, Democrat. But I don't know if I will buy into that. If uh, the, you know, this, uh, this idea of a blue wave, I mean, the economy's going relatively well. You know, the jobs are doing pretty well. And this is the sad thing. The president of the United States is not supposed to be an all-powerful individual. Well, you like that person or not, um, the Congress is supposed to make the rules when it comes to trade. President will accept, you know, if it comes to, if it's a law, if it's a treaty, then of course the president negotiates it and the Senate ratifies it. But the idea that a president is to create jobs, that was never part of the Constitution. The purpose, uh, of course, uh, what Trump has done is he's rolled back some of these onerous uh, regulations through executive order, which is legitimate because they were created by executive order. So he's sort of rescinding things. And he's also rescinding a lot of these uh, ad administrative law, which has been created by these uh, unconstitutional regulatory ent entities like EPA. So in that regard, that's how no doubt you can help jobs. And interesting too, uh, Sam Adams Brewery, the owner uh, has recently came out and he was some, at some event where he praised Trump for his tax issue, his tax policies. And the left wants to boycott Sam Adams. It was kind of interesting though, just a few years ago when the, uh, the South Boston Veterans Association would not allow homosexuals in the parade. When I say homosexuals, it doesn't mean if you happen to be a member of a drum and bugle corps and you're homosexual, that's not a problem, but it's a uh, a float promoting homosexuality. So that's the difference. Uh, they went to the Supreme Court back in the 90s and they won their case unanimously. It was a unanimous decision. All justices left and right said private organization has the right to refuse. Uh, the um, South Boston veterans refused um, the KKK back in the 70s. And we're talking about the St. Patrick's Parade, which they sponsor. Uh, evacuation day st patrick's day parade well they've since changed their position and homosexual uh, organizations can now uh, and it was sam adams uh, brewery the owner uh boycotted the parade before they allowed the homosexuals to, to come in so here is a really a man who a man of the left who simply said something hey look this is good tax policy is going to help us hooray i'm glad you did, we did it and he now, now they're going after him. And if you visit the Sam Adams gift shop, the brewery in Boston is just uh, where, they, where they started it back. I think it was in the early 80s. It, they'd only make a small percentage of their uh, their production. I think their biggest um, uh, breweries are in uh, the Midwest. This is where they do their little experiments and they make some small batches. But anyway, in their gift shop, I, I brought a friend there not too long ago. Uh, they have all this this rainbow stuff. I don't know if they're selling a lot of it, but all this rainbow so-called gay pride stuff. So it doesn't matter. Even if you're a leftist and you come out and say something that, okay, we may dislike Trump, but he's doing the right thing here. That's still not good enough. They still want to destroy you. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's amazing, the hypocrisy. So um, 
the midterm elections, again, there's, uh, I know, a living in Massachusetts. Uh, there's a lot of good candidates, uh, Republicans that I know. Some of them are not so good. And um, I, I can't say that there's going to be a blue wave. Maybe some seats will be lost, but I don't think the world will come to an end. That's, the, that's what the left, the, the establishment media wants you to believe. The same establishment media that told you that Hillary was going to win by a landslide, you see. So, uh, and I know there's been a few special elections here and there that uh, the one in Alabama with uh, Judge Roy Moore and that uh, and he only lost by a small percentage. Yeah, I mean, he can lose by one vote or a million votes, but it wasn't some kind of like overwhelming defeat. And if it wasn't for that uh, issue that came up or something that he did 30 years ago, he probably would have got elected and it would have been a non-issue. So, um, I mean, it would have been something that the left didn't have to, oh, you know, we're mounting opposition and we're going to take, take the House and Senate back. But actually, uh, this is something that I've contended for a long time. Congress is the key. The sad thing is you have a lot of people who in the Republican Party are left-wingers, and they are just as bad or even worse than the Democrats. So that's why it's kind of difficult to see some, some major things happen as long as you have these what we refer to as neocons, neoconservative. And by the way, there's nothing conservative about neocons. I, I look at it as a misnomer. These were people that were in the Democrat Party originally, and they were anti-Stalinist. They were Trotskyite Marxists, and they thought that they, they really didn't think they had much, uh, much influence in the Democrat Party. So they went into the Republican Party, and they basically have controlled the Republican Party for a long time. And a lot of the, the, these people who promote neocon values and views aren't necessarily the, you know, the neocon cadre, you know, the Irving Crystals and the William Crystals. Oh, well, Irving was the father. I think he was considered the patron, the patron of the neocon movement. Uh, but um, but they, sim they listen to guys like Mark Levin. They listen to Sh Sean Hannity. And uh, they'll say, oh, these guys are because they, they've redefined what it means to be a conservative. Uh, we at Camp Constitution are constitutional conservatives. And uh, that's the difference. And they really don't like constitutionalists when it uh, comes down to it. In fact, they initially hated Trump. I don't know about Hannity, but I know Levin was a uh, really was an anti, was a never Trumper. Uh, of course, then he kind of changed his tune once uh, he you know, put his finger into the wind and, and Trump won the election. All of a sudden, he's a big defender of Trump. But bottom line is he, he and a lot of his uh, fellows, uh, neocons, are, they love big government. They love foreign aid. They, uh, they love to see uh, our soldiers all over the world. They don't believe in declaring war. They may not love the U.N., but they'll say very little about it. And they'll never say, hey, we need to get out of the U.N. They'll talk about reforming public education. They won't be saying we should we should repeal uh, these laws. They they don't really care about moral issues. They're kind of indifferent. Or if they do, when I say all these issues are moral issues, but they, they refer to them as so-called social issues: the homosexual agenda, the the abortion issue. Um, they either support abortion or they could care less about it. Uh, that's that's the average neocon. The the, the I guess the professional neocon. And you find them at the National Review. And that doesn't mean you might listen to them and say, gee, sometimes you agree with some of their positions. And, you know, but, uh, but for the most part, um, the people, and they, they really don't like the Constitution. Uh, and they tend to support an Article 5 convention, which will uh, basically rewrite the Constitution. So um, now let's see. Uh, 
getting on the subject of guns, another shooting happened here in um, in Florida. Actually, there were two shootings. One of them was contained, only one dead and a few injured. And then there was a gaming event, game sh- some type of uh, video game event, where I think uh, at the last report I got, I think four to five people were killed and a number wounded. So again, there's going to be a demand for more federal legislation, more gun control, as if we don't have enough legislation at all levels of government to make it very difficult for free people to defend themselves. In fact, when these shootings are happening, that is really, this is really, I think, uh, an argument for more gun ownership, not less gun ownership. If there's so many unstable people in our, and you don't need that many. I mean, one person out of a million can do something crazy, and that's a lot. That's 300 crazy people doing stuff one day, you know, every year. That that, that adds up, doesn't it? So, um, so we're going to hear about more gun control. And here, here again is another argument. Donald Trump is the evil dictator, a Nazi, as uh, the left wants us to believe. So uh, why would you want to give him more power to control your guns? You would think that these people on the left would be joining the NRA in droves. Yes, we don't want Donald Trump to take our guns. No, but they want them to. They want the federal government to have more power. Please take our guns. Take the guns away from everybody, so we can be completely defenseless. So we can be at the total mercy of the federal government. And the they also hate the police. The left hates the police. And they want the police to have more power. You want the local police and the state police to be able to come in and take your guns. It's just amazing. So we need more guns, and we need more psychotropics so we can deal with these poor people. We'll just give more psychotropics. They want to sue gun companies. They want to sue gun. Uh, they want to sue gun shops and gun owner, gun stores and gun manufacturing. Oh, but they don't talk about suing the psychotropics, the pharmaceuticals. Oh, they're off the hook. Uh, and I don't know, I just got the name of this uh, person who was um, uh, involved in the shooting here, and he's from Baltimore, and they're looking, I don't know too much about him, he happens to be white, so of course, if he was black, if he was a Muslim, they wouldn't say that, even if his name was Abdul Mohammed from Somalia, they wouldn't say it, but since he was a white, they'll say he's white, because that's, I guess it's okay to, um, somehow white people are, are uh, by their nature, Murderers, I suppose that's that's the narrative there. Um, so the deep state. Now I'm giving some presentations. I know I don't know how many listeners there are in, uh, that listen to the show right in the in Maine. Probably a number of them, but uh, this would be this week coming up uh, Thursday. I'll be speaking at the uh, National Library of Health and Healing noontime to about one thirty. So the presentations. Are, well, I can go on for a couple of hours, but I'll kind of get it down to about an hour and I'll have uh, resources available, some materials that, you know, to uh, call to action and sort of thing. So that's going to be in Waldeboro, 181 Jefferson Street, the National Library of Health and Healing at noontime and Waldus uh, right off of Route 1. And then uh, that evening, I'll be up in Lincoln, Maine at the American Legion, 3 Fleming Street. And that's going to start at 7 o'clock and I'll be doing a presentation there. And then the following day in Holton, this is where Route 95 ends, Interstate 95 ends or begins, depending on what side of the world, uh, country you're on. Uh, uh, it'll be at Tang's Chinese Cuisine. It will start at 6. We'll you know, sit down and get a buffet, get order off the menu, hopefully. And, and then I'll start the presentation about 6.30 or so. 
And the next day, Presque Isle at the uh, 24 Chapman Street, the Presque, Presque Isle Community Center. I'll be, uh, there, and this will be a, a longer event because I'll start off with uh, the the uh, police, I should say, the deep state, and then uh, Phil Merletti will be speaking about the state of the Constitution of Maine and oath keeping, and then I'll come up with uh, the U.S. Constitution, know the Constitution, and we're inviting. Uh, candidates for office, elected officials. So that should end about one o'clock. And then uh, the next day I'll be down in Lebanon, Maine, heading home. And there'll be a 6.30 presentation at the First Parish Congregational Church, a conservative congregational church. The church is not sponsoring the event. They're just hosting uh, hosting me. And the presentation will be, what is Camp Constitution? So let me talk a little about, and, and then that following uh, Saturday, the 8th of September, in Troy, New Hampshire, was in, was in southwest New Hampshire at the Gay Kimball Library at 11 a.m. I'll be speaking there on the deep state. So what is the deep state? Well, for a number of years, uh, some of you may know I did serve as a staff member for the John Birch Society. And um, back, um, back in the early 90s, uh, the term New World Order was the one that was used by, you know, by us and people who think like I do and like we do. Um, or the conspiracy, the term the conspiracy. And people would sometimes ridicule and scoff and mock that term. They'll, uh, it was uh, like guys like Rush Limbaugh, it's interesting. He'll mock that. He'll talk about the elite, the media elite, the DC elite, but he won't name them. He won't go into the backgrounds and what their agenda is. He'll just say the elite. Uh, so, uh, but the term deep state has been somewhat accepted uh, I think people realize that there is a deep state and they're looking at the deep staters that are in our government, FBI, CIA, and other branches of the of the federal government that are there, no matter who's president, uh, they seem to be there. They seem to under, they may undermine the president, uh, depending on the policies of the president. In fact, I remember uh, Chuck Schumer said something that Trump had to be careful when he goes after the CIA. Uh, they, you know, they basically, so he's admitting, he was admitting that such a thing exists. Now, somebody raised the question, somebody, a scoff, not a scoffer, I think it was a legitimate question. How long has this deep state existed? Well, it's a, that's a very good question. It's hard to say, well, it happened May 1st, 1776, when the Bavarian Illuminati was started, but that's sort of a beginning. That's a point of reference. Uh, you might look at the Wilson administration. You might look at um, some of the the bank, you know, the banking interests, the Federal Reserve people behind the Federal Reserve Bank uh, back in the uh, early part of the last century. You know, the uh, Creature from Jekyll Island, which is an incredible book by Ed Griffin, which uh, goes into a lot of the characters who were involved in the founding of that. And then an organization called the Council on Foreign Relations, CFR, which was founded at the end of World War One and its sister organization, the Royal Institute of International Studies, and how they were able to um, get a lot of their people in government positions and during the Franklin Roosevelt administration pretty much ran it. Now you say, okay, well, what's the objective of the CFR? And there was a um, one of its members, uh, now deceased, he was an honorable man, uh, Admiral Chester Ward. Now there are a lot of people that belong to these groups like the CFR that aren't any aren't involved in their policies or decision-making. 
And he said that the, the ruling members of the CFR have a lust to surrender U.S. sovereignty. And so, yes, these are the deep staters or the people behind the deep staters, uh, the organizations behind. And people come and go. People pass away. David Rockefeller passed away, uh, but yet his legacy lives on. George Soros will some, at some point pass away, but when he does, it doesn't mean that his influence will go away, that all his billions of dollars will be just simply dry up and won't be used to promote revolution anymore. So it's a self-perpetuating multi-generational entity, uh, entities, and they have an objective. It's called the New World Order. Uh, Daddy Bush articulated this in a joint session of Congress back in 19... 19- 90, it was in the summer of 19, I think it was, no, I'm sorry, was it 91? Anyway, it was the Gulf War, the first Gulf War, so it was 1990. And he said, what we have here is a real chance of this new world order. And then he defined it. A UN is envisioned by its founders. And that is the objective of the deep state. Uh, And a lot of the deep state uh, people may not even understand that. I mean, these FBI uh, people that are going after Trump, they may not be uh, advocates of a one world government. They may simply get they like their jobs. They like what they do. They have influence. They get in the media. They get their books published. They get on CNN and MSNBC. They'll uh, get big uh, speaking uh, uh, royalties for their books. They'll get fees for their speaking engagements. They live a pretty good life. So not everybody is necessarily uh, a hardcore Marxist. But um, we do have a lot of, on our YouTube channel, there are a lot of great videos that go into this to some extent. And uh, I have to thank Alex Newman, my former colleague and friend, who uh, really provided me with some great uh, slides. And, of course, he is an expert on the subject. So, uh, And I actually posted a video he did on our YouTube channel on the subject. Well, we just got about 30 seconds left, so I want to thank you for listening. And I want you to encourage you to visit our YouTube channel, subscribe to Camp Constitution's YouTube channel, view the videos and share them. That's one way we can make a little revenue, not a whole lot. Uh, if you'd like to become a sponsor, contact us. We'll put your business, a nonprofit, and uh, for a donation, an annual donation of about uh, you know, $100 or more, uh, and learn more about us. And with that, we want to, I want to thank you. God bless you. And until ne- next week, uh, may God richly bless you. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.